Where did we start our podcast? We started it on the internet. Well, that's the end of the internet. <laughs> Alrighty, pints of popcorn back at you, coming at you from South Australia for me, where the <laughs> where the film that we're doing today is uh, filmed and set, kind of. I'll get into that in a bit, but um, good day, show. Good day. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> it's tomorrow where you're at now, so it, it could be. Who knows? I don't know. I I was like had fallen asleep unwittingly, like, and then you texted me and said, "Yeah, I'm ready to pod," and I was like, "Yep, yeah, cool. Yep, yeah, wake up, get going." Well, I didn't sleep last night because of the movie we're doing this week. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. I did. I did, but uh, it was it. Yeah, yeah. You were it just... definitely uh, made me think. Yeah, and that's what we want to do. Like with, like you know, we we do some fun movies here and there and whatnot. But we we often like to find movies that make us at least think. Some, like you know, and uh, and certainly this one I knew would be one that um, you hadn't seen, but I knew it, at watching it you'd get something out of it because it is one that um, you know, on the on the horror scene and then just movie scene in general, and um, especially independent low budget films that people have come to. It's um one that really did quite well. Uh, that's, uh, this this week's film being the Babadook, which um, continuing the theme we started last week with a uh, book smart with um, female um, female um, creators both in front and behind the camera. Uh, this one this one's a, another debut film as well um, for feature. Uh, it's uh, Jennifer Kent's debut film, which is um, interesting. That it was not it wasn't deliberate that we did two debut films from female directors, but it's just worked <laughs> out that way. Um, I just wanted to do something that show showcased a bit of you know book smart was a great comedy and uh, somewhat groundbreaking this is in in another way for um female directors showing their showing some um you know the the, the horror horror genre that's so been so much dominated by um again like most facets of filmmaking a very male dominated genre um and having a female creator come in and write and direct a film that um had a lot to say that i i've saying to you off air is a film that in such the creative way it was done, and I've talked about this before with plenty of other films um, that were done by people that just had their own point of view that it was it could only be made and written and made by her. It's a film that's very personal to her, and um, I think in just just how she understands uh, grief and 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 a mother's grief and the wife's grief, or um, I'm not not that I'm saying that she's been through all those things, but I think she just has an in, a, attuned knowledge to. Um, to the, the, those emotional spectrums, and it was just some, something that's really impressive in that sense. Yeah, it was really brave filmmaking, and it took a lot of chances for. A, I didn't even know it was a debut film because of the way it, the way it was shot. And obviously, you know more about the genre than I do. Um, obviously, anytime we do a horror movie or a scary movie, as I like to call them, um, <laughs> it'll be by your recommendation. <laughs> and the listeners, the listeners will probably know that by now. Uh, but I, I usually enjoy them, um, and this is no different. This is obviously, I like the psychological part of horror movies, and not the scary part. I guess I don't mind scary, but like I like, I, I basically need there to be something beneath the surface of it that the director is trying to to tell and. While this one is this is just below the surface in the Babadook, like it's still really powerful and um, it's a really interesting way to show grief and 
yeah, it kind of surprised me because I had no idea what to expect um, going into it. I didn't know what it was about other than, you know, a monster. So, and obviously the scariest monsters are the ones that live inside of our brains. And she does a really good job of portraying those, I think. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I was very deliberate on my part to just say this movie's, you know, I said we we're going to do it and I thought it was a good one to do. I didn't, I deliberately really didn't say much to you about it beyond um the title really um because you know you, you look at the you look at the poster and see the um outline of the the babadook um creature, scary creature and it's a, it is a, it's a very effectively uh, effectively scary looking thing um particularly just the, its movement and stuff in the movie as well but just the 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 image of of the movie going into it um because i went into it very similar way like i think three three or four years ago me and andrea watched it um and yeah, we went into it not knowing much at all apart from, we saw that you see the trailer and you get a bit from it, but I don't think I'd really, I think all I'd seen was a teaser. Like I hadn't even seen really a full trailer, which is, you know, I'd, as much as I love trailers and getting amped for movies, and sometimes it can be a detriment to your experience um, to watch a full trailer and get too much from it. Um, movies like this are really fun to go into in that just completely know nothing way around it and yeah, and so you're thinking you're going into a creature film, but then you you come out of it realizing you've watched a film about um, about grief, and it sets it up very early, like the way the film opens with um, her kind of dream sequence, mem- memory of the car accident in which uh, the husband was lost on the way to uh, her going and giving birth to the um, the lo- the lovely child in the film. Um, um, what I f- oh, I hate that kid. <laughs> Uh, I rarely like a child in a horror movie. They're usually pretty annoying. <laughs> <laughs> very, very not to say that he wasn't right to be scared, but uh, goddamn, yeah, <laughs> super annoying. <laughs> um, also, but he didn't have a dad. But you know, yeah, and he was just trying to protect his mom with his weapons, which you know he, you know he knew he knew what was going on straight away he like, used them on her so well the, the, she was spoiler alert <laughs> she was in infu- I, I put the spoiler alert at the front of the pod we're all good i mean she was possessed with the babadook at that point so he was he was literally screaming you're not my mom <laughs> and she's like it's true black eyes like i can't remember what she's screaming but she's in the midst of her great performance near the end of the film but um yeah the the, the film sets up straight away like that car accident kind of an incredible uh uh, mastery of the technique um, in straight away that you see there with how she she shot that and then kind of has this you know camera pan to her falling onto like falling into the bed um, right and waking up um, yeah you, you get set up straight away knowing that something something traumatic's happened in their life um, in her life and that obviously when you open the film in such a way that this is it's and you know it's not like throwing it straight at you and it's not very it's not on the nose it's just a an effective way of letting you know straight away that this film um is going to be about something that's uh continually traumatizing someone years after and and we and we start to find that out through the film too yeah uh i I love a film that starts off on a on a note where you don't really understand uh (laughs) <laughs> why they're showing you that from the start you don't understand why it's important you just know it's important i like that um rather than her starting off with say like you know having to go through the backstory explaining it throughout the film is a a good way to tell it rather than 
you know, the traditional horror movie trope, I think. This movie did remind me of Hereditary um, a lot mm. when watching it. Um, obviously, different different meanings. There's a lot more going on in Hereditary, I think. But uh, just because that's a demented mind who created that. But, <laughs> um, and the background of, like, the... But it did really, there was a lot of parallels between those two. And I think that maybe he borrowed. So I don't know when hereditary came out, but um, I think it was after Babadook. Yeah. yeah Babadook, so. Babadook was a, a 2014 film. Um, mm-hmm. Hereditary is uh, yeah 2018. So yeah, a few years later and um, yeah, Ari Aster certainly, um, I think we talked about it on the mid, uh, the midsummer pod. He, he, he said, he said some interesting short films um, in his, in his college career too. So he certainly, but yeah, well, you know, he might he may have seen the film and, and grief. Um, he certainly has something to say about grief as well and hereditary, which I'm sure um, I'm sure I'll get you to do it some and mid and midsummer. Yeah, for that. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll do hereditary at some point. Yeah, I just <laughs> I just love watching. I watched I watched hereditary last week actually, which is probably a good a good kind of mood setter for getting ready for the Babadook as well with just talking grief in films. So. Yeah, it, it was a really effective start to the film that we, we see this and um, see this car crash. And, you know, you, like you said, you don't understand what you understand what you're seeing. Um, and, you know, that's part of what people that you understand filmmaking so well. And Jennifer Kent, certainly, um, you know, she studied at the National Institute of Dramatic Arts in Australia, which is where um, a lot of people get, get involved in film in Australia, study there. And um, that's actually the main actress in the film, Essie Davis, was in, the, I think they were a year apart there and they became friends there back in the early nice. 90s, early 90s. So that's where that relationship started, which is really cool. Um, uh, Essie Davis apparently said that Jess, Jennifer Kent was actually one of the most uh, best actresses that the school had seen, but she lost interest in acting after being, she was in Babe Pig in the City. Just God damn it! <laughs> when I read that, I'm getting ready for this. I'm getting ready for this pod, and I read that the, the, the director Jennifer Kent was in Babe Big in the City. I was like, I'm bringing that up on pod. Um, but yeah, apparently she lost interest. The Babe franchise so big in Australia. <laughs> uh, but apparently she lost interest in acting, and um, but gained a great interest in directing. And uh, she, um, yeah, she's obviously learned her craft incredibly well. Considering this is a debut film, just just understanding uh, how filmmaking works and how and understanding it's a respect of the audience to to know that you can throw this uh, throw this opening in, and uh, and uh, understand that we will go okay. We don't understand why you're showing us this, but we're going to remember it because we know it's going to be important. Like everything's going to come together, and it's just it's um, you know, it's a show don't tell kind of thing. Like you know, this movie's only um, I think 90, 94 minutes long. It's not a long film. Um, it's perfect. it's short, yeah. It's perfect for what it is. Um, and I think it's quite tight because yeah, there is a lot of it is a lot of just allegory to grief and and just show, absolutely yeah, just showing us rather than telling. And then we figure out that you know we figure out what's happened and and we go through it. But the the opening of the film sets it up like that's just a great way of you know. You get some filmmakers that will, or or podcasters like me who talk to just just babble on, babble <laughs> on and but whereas um, you know a, really great talented um, directors and writers will know exactly how to how to manipulate the audience to know what you're wanting them to know without actually having to do too much uh, work and it's just really effective and it also shows uh, I think just the way she films that opening um, I was watching it again it's just there's a 
tragedy to that, the way she's sitting there and kind of just the camera spinning, holding on her face, and there's a bit of glass shattering, and it's kind of this this look on her face is quite horrified but stunned at the same time, and the, the tragedy of it, and and also knowing because as before the crash starts, she takes those two breaths that we again mm. immediately recognize as that's a woman in labor, like. There's certain things that and, and I did not re- realize that, but uh, most, you have a keener. Most, <laughs> <laughs> most I just thought she yeah. was like scared, but yeah, yeah and because uh, it was a scary movie. <laughs> <laughs> and look, maybe that's me having seen it a few years ago. I, I can't, I can't honestly remember exactly what I was thinking at the time, but just watching it again. Um, she takes those two breaths. It's like, uh, you know, it's a, a woman in labor, and then and then the car crash starts, and it's just like you know so much from those first thirty seconds of film. This this woman was getting driven, like you think you put it together. She's driven to hospital, car crash, you know, and someone's died, and it's obviously not her because then she wakes up in bed. But um, we know everything we need to know about the film at that point, and then the rest of the film is how how is she dealing with this? And uh, and it's just a really effective way of starting it. I was really impressed, um, and that's probably why I've gone on about it for five minutes that I wasn't expecting to. Just how how effective that opening is to setting up um, the rest of the film for us, because we just know what we're getting into at that point, and um, and then and then we can put together this this story as we're going through it. As you've said, you know, it's your first time watching it. You're able to really g- gain the understanding of what this film was about as you're watching it because you know it's just after such an effective start absolutely i think and then moving on from that to how grief is represented throughout her daily life and her dealing with everybody and it's i think she painted it in a perfect way of how easy it is to get frustrated with somebody that has grief that you can't really and that's like really magnified in the scene where she's with all the suburb moms yeah and she just like unleashes on them, like about like not being able to go to the gym or whatever it is. And like, that's such an accurate representation of like somebody with grief who can't connect with anything anymore because they can't understand how anybody could ever complain because their, their life is so based in grief and like a real grief that's sad, like not going to the gym sad mm-hmm. that they just explode every now and then. And I think just, Again, lost my train of thought, but (laughs) it was just really brave filmmaking to just show it just exactly how it is and not dance around it at all. Yeah, yeah. Kind of car crash. Yeah, because, I mean, we're talking about a film where a a mother, you know, as we're going through the film, obviously, again, there's a spoiler at the front of this, so anyone that's listening to us has either seen it or is happy to have it spoiled, but, you know, it's a film that spirals towards the point that you're like, is she gonna fucking kill a kid? <laughs> so I mean, it's that's yeah. What this or is the kid gonna movie. kill her too? Yeah, they I, both have grief. Well, yeah. He, I, mean, I, I he his I, I I never got that myself. And again, this is what's interesting with you being on a first time watch. There's your train of thought coming right back. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> How have we not connected that before? Yeah, because <laughs> we lose them a lot. Uh, yeah, especially after the after a few more of the pints of the pints and popcorn. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'll make up for it for you. Um, yeah, I'm, I know. I'm currently I'm currently on my firehouse stout, which is a, I sometimes call it a cocaine cup because it's coffee and beer in one. <laughs> um, wait this now. is a cocaine cup too. It's a large cold brew, no, black coffee. Big Duncan, sponsor us, Duncan. <laughs> I'm down. For, I'm down for it. Apart from the fact I couldn't actually get Duncan in Australia, but I do. 
It's one of my favorite things back on the East Coast is like Dunkin' Donuts. Um, you guys have Starbucks? Uh, there is Starbucks in Sydney and Melbourne. There is none in Adelaide. Melbourne. They basically they tried it in Adelaide. They opened two, and they just didn't do very well because they. I think they were kind of expecting um, just the Starbucks name to get it, but like Adelaide people are like, no, we've got our like. There's a bunch of chains here already, and like Starbucks, it was kind of this. So other chains. <laughs> <laughs> so they've got them in um, Sydney and Melbourne, and and I think they're like. They're kind of like expanding there, and then I I don't know when they'll come to Adelaide again. Um, Surprised. Yeah, it, it's. It Thought was, they were everywhere. Yeah, no, and, and like I I went and stayed in Sydney for a wedding last year and or two years ago now. Um, and uh, there was a Starbucks in my hotel, and and, and it's very much the same Starbucks, <laughs> Starbucks that I, I you get in um America, like you know same uh, the fl- yeah. flavors are the same, which is good because that was what I was interested in when I went down there and. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting one that they haven't got it here yet. Um, but yeah, Duncan, down for the sponsorship. You're just gonna send it all the way to Adelaide, where the Babadook was, <laughs> fi- Babadook was filmed. Um, yeah. So it is at, that is Adelaide in the film. Yeah. So an interesting note. Um, I guess just yeah, we'll talk about we'll we'll just bounce between things. I think this is a really fun film. Just just um, discuss and bounce around a little bit because it is just there's a lot and it's a lot of um, you know, it's a lot of ideas in this film, but it's filmed in Adelaide. Um, but she she didn't want the film to actually look like it was placed anywhere, which I think you would have got from watching it. Is it, it is just you could, apart from the accents, obviously they're Australians. Um, um, it did feel a little like England into like the untrained ear. Yeah, it, like kind of seemed like it, just because the accents are kind of all over the place. Oh yeah, they're very. I mean, they're very Australian, but yeah, I. Yeah, you've said before that we all sound the same, so which I'm starting to get it a little bit more. But. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it was shot. Yeah, it was shot and made. Shot and made in Adelaide. Um, on the yeah, there's the SA Film Corp down here. Um, was part of the I think on the sound stages there. But yeah, the house design. She she like there's not too many houses actually like that. Like that kind of design. She that right. Was, that was a very deliberate set design to make it seem a bit like yeah. And then she. Jennifer can actually. I think it's. I read somewhere that said that she's not actually. She said, "I'm not actually super patriotic, so I didn't want it to seem like it was an Australian film." She just wanted, obviously, it's Australian, but she wanted it to be. If you could watch it and place it anywhere, because the the idea of the film obviously is bigger than its place. It's just an Australian film, um, but it's talking about issues that are very universal. So, as and I think that she, that's incredibly effectively done. Um, the lighting, um, obviously, I think you talked yeah. about this off air possibly but it's shot and lit in a way that's very deliberate um a kind of drab tones for most of the film until um the end of it obviously when there's a little bit of hope in the air and you suddenly see the, the, right. the color palette lighten up a bit but yeah it's um it yeah it is um shot and based in adelaide but not actually well it's not really you know there's no mention of place anywhere it's just it is just his family dealing these two people dealing with this trauma and that's a very universal story which is really cool that um, you know, because a lot of Australian films, if they're making them, um, you know, if they've got Australian backing and stuff like that, often they'll try to make place it somewhere in Australia. And um, this one really made it made itself a universally reachable film because of the fact that it didn't make sure it make it didn't need to place it anywhere. It's just a film about a family dealing with trauma, which is really, as I said, a universal thing. So really cool. It does, yeah. 
I think it seems like England because it like a lot of the outside scenes are shot when it's gray or it's yeah. starting evening or something like that. So it just feels like like the setting really reminded me of Shaun of the Dead for some reason. I don't know. Maybe I was not cultured enough to see the differences, but like just the style of houses and um, you know just the gray sky and stuff and just the color palette. Like you said, I think Shaun of the Dead is pretty drab as well um, at the start of it when the zombies are taking over. So um, very similar. Uh, it's also lit, and I talked about this off air, but like a play. And I think this mm. could be done as a play. It'd be like, I mean, obviously be a little bit hard to do as a play just to get like some, but I think you could get creative with it and do it as a play because it's mainly just a couple people in a room together dealing with it. And say like the scenes with her sitting on the bed is just shot like it's a play with like a spotlight on her and Sam. Mm. And then the rest of the background is kind of out of focus and dark and gray. Um, whereas they're lit like they're on center stage. So it is an interesting way to shoot a film like this, I think. Yeah, and um, I, yeah, definitely it's not something that I actually thought of when I was watching it, but when you mentioned the play straight away, because it's often when you watch films like that are very um, low, you know, tight casts and very simple, um, you know, set-wise, you know, because this was a low-budget film. I think they made it, for, they, I think they ended up getting it made for $2 million. Um, which is all you know, covering all costs is um, a fairly tight budget for a film, um, and yeah, it's uh, but they utilize it incredibly well. Obviously, um, the talent behind the camera we've already talked about Jennifer Kent being a debut filmmaker, but um, showed some in a lot of a lot of nows with that, and yeah, it's just the the entire thing is so tightly structured. Um, it could definitely, I'd, I'd love to see it as a play actually, particularly with um. Uh, the Babadook creature design um, is really yeah. kind of t- like good for a play too. They've sh- it was very shot very deliberately, like um, a lo-fi cutout like look is what like that's what she wanted for the film was it to look like this, um, and yeah, that would work incredibly well for a play too. But yeah, I love the I do love the creature design for the Babadook. It's um long, y- you know, <laughs> just just yeah. There's a li- I, I yeah I guess um. As horror movie fans, it's um yeah just I can't exactly put a put a describe it the way I want to, but it's just it's just a good creepy um creepy creature design. I think it's um it's uh, made it an iconic. Um, there's I'll, I'll get into some stuff about the Babadook being an LGBTQ icon later on, <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is <laughs> all right. It's it's just hilarious, but um Jennifer Kent's got some fun things to say about that, which is cool. Um, I didn't but, know that. Yeah. Um. But it's just yeah. Like, I think it's, it's an, because it's a, it doesn't move like like I think there's like been a study done about like horror movies and like what makes like a good monster and it's like if like our brains our human brains like it scares us when something moves like we don't understand mm-hmm. like like we understand how animals move like all of them like because we've seen them all but if you do something if you create a monster that moves like something we've never seen before, our brain literally is scared of it. It it doesn't know what to do with it because it can't comprehend how it's moving. And that's what the Bobbity did. And that's why they do those like really fast mode. Like a lot of horror movies do that really fast motion of humans, like doing stuff like twitching and Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, That scares our brain because we can't comprehend because we know that a human form or an animal form can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think that was a big part of it. And just the obviously the creepy features of 
He takes different forms as well. I don't even know if it's a he. I mean, he's represented as a man multiple times in it, but Babadook seems to be kind of like a spirit more than anything, kind of like it. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the book was called Mr. Babadook, but um, yeah, it doesn't really, that doesn't mean it's, um, yeah. But yeah, even this, the, the long, you know, I don't know his pronouns. <laughs> um, the long... I said his. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know his pronouns is so fucking stupid. <laughs> it's an oxymoron. I don't know its pronouns. Yeah. I don't think you're supposed to say that either. Um, Whatever. We're continuing. I don't know the monster's pronouns. <laughs> that might be the best way of putting it. <laughs> monster's uh, probably off limits, too. Monster, monsters, um, monster, I don't know. Um, the, long tendrily, the long tendrily fingers is something as well. Like, and, yeah. And, and that point you brought up about things that we don't understand. Um, you know, A little Kawhi Leonard action. What? <laughs> 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 I, can't, I can't do that laugh that you did but anyway that is equally as creepy i don't think anybody can that is equally as creepy as the babadook by the way <laughs> that should be his that should be his new nickname like instead of the claw the babadook yeah for baba <laughs> yeah can you just imagine i can just imagine Kawhi just scoring a bub- bucket and just quietly running along just going babadook like is it <laughs> Or just be like Kawhi. Yeah. Just say it. <laughs> ka, 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 why? Ka, Kawhi. <laughs> but yeah, the fingers like it's almost like it has wings, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Yeah, it's scary. It was definitely and it move again. It like can crawl up ceilings and stuff, which is classic horror movie, but it always freaks you out because you know things aren't supposed to do that. Yeah, and it's like the stop motion, which again is like a very deliberate thing that she did. Like uh, that added mm-hmm. to it, like stop mo. That it just it looked very natural too, but it was like it was just incredible. Like again, again, like you said, it's a, it made it move in a way that was um yeah. And then I was saying unnatural. Yeah, I was saying to you off air that I, w- I was watching it um with my surround sound at home, which um yeah, it's something I encourage anyone that's got films that they really enjoy to find a way to watch them in surround sound at some point um if you haven't seen them in the cinema and got the experience because you do you do get a different feel because um when when the babadook um is coming into the room um and uh, amelia's character is hiding under the covers and there's you can kind of there's like the sound of you know fingernails and ceiling and the and the yeah. and the babadook's like you know babadook like doing those sounds <laughs> And it's like it's it's rotating around the sound channels depending on where it is in the room relative to you as the viewer, and it's just it's fucking creepy when you've got that sound cranked up because you're hearing, I'm hearing those sounds from behind me, and it's it's yeah quite, it's quite, uh, yeah it's quite unsettling, and that you know that's it's hard to be able to get that experience, but you know if you had if you had the chance to see it in the cinema with um a cinema that was doing it justice with its sound design um you know uh, speaker setup, or if you've just got um you know, a five channel setup at home or even, you know, just even there's a decent sound, but yeah, the, the, the surround sound definitely really, um, cause the first time I watched it, I didn't watch it with surround sound. So today, um, sorry, the other day, um, I, uh, I really just pumped the sound. Like I, I turned it up to, you know, spinal tap 11 and <laughs> to 11. Yeah. My cat was creep, creeping out a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah. She thought you were going to break her neck. Yeah. Well, <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, she was, she was, she was creeping up on me. She just was like, just occasionally the sound. Like, I love watching. It's fun, funny watching the movie with the cat in my lap because sometimes when those those creepy sounds happen, she just, just the ears. Just the dart up. Yeah, yeah. She, she, <laughs> she stares at the ceiling enough, like when nothing's going on, which is super fucking creepy sometimes. Like Andrea was convinced there was a ghost in this house when she was because just Rizzo would just be sitting on the floor just staring at the ceiling and then there's like oh she can see the Babadook I guess it's just like the kid Rizzo Rizzo is probably the kid from this movie and Andrea would, <laughs> Andrea would suggest that she the Rizzo is as annoying as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's a theory that cats can see like 4D yeah. and we're just living in 3D so it's like what's going on in 4D because they will just stare at weird weird shit mm. so they're they're the more advanced version of us maybe we all evolve into cats after we pass away yeah. i don't know <laughs> or ghosts i don't know <laughs> uh ghost babies living inside of gg um cool back to last <laughs> week <laughs> um, the ghost babies <laughs> oh i hardly remember last week's pod so <laughs> that's one i will not be listening to <laughs> It was a really good pod. I highly recommend you go back if you have seen Booksmart and want to listen to that one. Um, but yeah, back to this one. Um, so, I mean, I guess we haven't talked too much about the kid yet, and we should. Um, you did mention Super it. Super annoying. <laughs> but very effective in um, showing the how this, I mean, this movie about grief is as much his grief as well, because he, um, it's clear as we get into the film that he's lived his entire almost seven years at this point because um, it is coming up to his birthday, which is a significant part of the film, obviously, with the fact that his dad died on his day of birth. Um, you know, his mother, it's clear that this entire relationship has been, his mother's been suppressing this grief for these six, six almost seven years, um, which has obviously meant that his growth as a child has been, you know, he is slowly unraveling as his mother is in it as well in a different way because he's just trying to you know kids have kid, I, I i say this a lot in working in a customer service business where a lot of a lot of parents come in and don't give their kids enough credit um or believe that they can just, <laughs> yeah. um and you know kids even if they don't exactly get what's going on they're very attuned to energy and feelings and 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 just you know they don't get it. They don't understand what they're feeling, but they will. They will be. They will certainly get the get the energy out of the room and do with it whatever it is. And obviously, um, as much as this um, Amelia's you know loving loves little Sam, there's an unspoken um, you know di- divide there with what's happened. What what she associates with his birth is this incredible trauma and life life changing for the worse for her. You know what's meant to be the best day of their lives, because um, I'm sure if you know the car accident had happened, they come come over the kid, and it's happy days for the family. But you know, there's, right. there's yeah, there's this kid's dealing with this grief that's um, you know, he never knew his dad, and uh, this certainly comes up with um the, the fucking cunt of a cousin as well, being a <laughs> proper, proper dickhead in the treehouse. Um, yeah, well, she gets her nose broken in two places. Absolutely so. deserved. I was going to bring that up later, but yeah, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> Uh, I I hate mean kids. <laughs> yeah, well, kids are super mean, kind of like you were talking about it. Like they're not devoid of being very cruel mm. and knowing they're being cruel. I don't think like, I, I yeah, I think kids are really in tune with the energy of the universe, and maybe that they're more in tune with it than adults because adults lie to themselves and lie to each other all the time. 
about uh, where, you know, whatever they're feeling and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's all a game. But to kids, it's just you're just thriving off emotion and all you know. So it's very real. And she probably, I mean, his cousin's mom is uh, not nice. So (laughs) so she's probably feeding off that energy. And so she's just raising a little version of herself. So, Mm. yeah. And that's kind of, you know, a little insight into, you know, the nature versus nurture thing. Whereas, like, you're probably going to become like your parents, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because in that scene, it's like the the miniature version of their their parents mm-hmm. or their moms right there, like, acting out. It's like, because in many ways, the mom is in a corner, <laughs> just sad and scared. And the other woman's telling her to just get out of it or her sister, I guess. Just telling her to just snap out of it, and it's been seven years, and blah 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 blah, and just like kind of like making it worse, mm-hmm. and making her go further into that corner. So it was re- yeah, really good filmmaking. Yeah, because she's like, it, it's very clear, like with these discussions between the the two sisters, that um, the sister hasn't probably been there for her ever since this thing happened in the way that she probably needed, and you know, it's, it, it, it's hard probably in these these group situations is we, it's very hard to know how to be there for someone but the thing is to just be there for them and it's obvious this sister like they, they say it a couple of times like she never comes around anymore and and all these things and you know sometimes just being there for someone is just going around and just being there for, like you know just doing what you need to do even if it's just sit there while they cry um but if she if she's been avoiding that then that's you're 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 avoiding that that is part of the problem and you're you so you can't just sit there and avoid it and then say oh it's been seven years snap out of it when you haven't actually done anything and and you know, this the, clearly the um, the daughter of the the cousin. Um, you wonder how she's being spoken about in their own household when the cousin's coming up in the treehouse and saying you're a weird, like you know, just just completely railing on this kid who obviously, like you, you know, we as audiences, like I, you know, you've said he's annoying, and, I, and Andrea said the same thing. Well, he is. Um, but <laughs> like, it is very much his. Character. He's objectively annoying. Yeah, but you know. This kid, he's screaming and he's, you know, he has a fucking seizure at one point. Like all this stuff is signs of incredible trauma because he doesn't know how to associate with people because he know he he knows he's well, he's not sleeping, yeah. which is really bad for you. Leads yeah, to panic. Yeah, especially as a child too. Like you know, he was even not sleeping as an adult is bad enough. But we 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 are at least in tune with what's going on and we try to manage it because we go okay. We didn't sleep last night. I'll get some coffee and just try. We un- yeah, we understand this day, it. But this kid's like not understanding. Like, you know, I haven't. You know, a kid's got to. You know, you got to sleep more as a child, really. And um, <laughs> you know, he's not sleeping, and he doesn't know how to doesn't know how to comprehend and and go through those thoughts in the mind that happen when you haven't slept. Because you know, when you don't sleep, you do. You, you know, your um emotions and stuff can get w- even more warped. Um, I know. I it's know. so bad for you. Yeah. I found that out the hard way. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, also this whole movie is his fault because he chooses the book. Let's, let's get real with that. But how does the book end up there? Yeah, but you know, like, how do you, you know, maybe you don't pick it. How about that? <laughs> how about that? You little jerk. <laughs> like, there's plenty of books and plenty of games and you build a model airplane and said that the creepy guy brought over was just weird. I don't know. Whatever. We talked enough about that guy already. Weirdo. <laughs> I was probably off air. I think we talked about him. But, yeah, I think uh, we did. Yeah, but yeah, we we we'll, yeah we'll get to, to a couple of side characters now. They just kind of 
enhance the <laughs> the idea behind the film. But yeah, I, th- I think the you know the, the yeah you say that about any movie, it's kind of like um, you know the 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 memes about if if this had happened in Star Wars and it'd just be written directed by George Lucas straight away at the end, like the film just ends. Um, I think the idea of you know this movie is not it's not strictly there's a lot of unknowns about it because ha- what is this Babadook thing is is it completely in the mind or is it is it is it a creature that does exist and feeds on grief um, you know because at the end of the movie it's still you know it's locked in the basement and whatnot um, but the book I think um, it's one of those things where the it's it kind of like because I do a lot of horror thinking and whatnot with my own just creative ideas and I always try to think how would a creature get into a world that is like you know it's moving you know um, uh, my idea with the book thing is like it appeared there because of the, this creature, you know, kind of feeds on or feeds on grief and and finds its way in that way, and so that book was naturally going to be picked because it's like a a preordained energy thing with this creature, right? And, like, how it works. So, yeah, I don't blame the kid. I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the grief was still going to yeah, be there, and it was yeah. still going to be a problem regardless of the monster. I just think the monster came to represent grief, and that absolutely yeah. through. Yeah through their own relationship, the mother and the son didn't ever defeat grief because you can't really defeat grief because mm. it's always there, but it can be not as bad that day as it is. If you give it a bowl of worms and tell it to calm down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's which I take as a Miller high life and Xanax, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I'm, but I could see how like, Again, I think it's so important to, like, this film that if you know somebody with grief, you can really, that has had grief overtake them, that you can really understand it and appreciate it more. Yeah. For more than what it is at um, face value. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something that um, it does take a minute. I, I, I've said to you before about some plenty of movies, and I'm sure I've said it on pod, that there's a lot of movies that I watched as like an 18-year-old that I had to come back to 10 years later to actually understand. I can't even imagine what I would have watched this movie as an 18-year-old and probably thought it was crap because I was just, you know, I, I, know I probably would have been like, oh, the creature was cool, but I didn't understand like what the fuck was this kid about, like, you know, all those things because... It was annoying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The bottom line. Um, But like, I wouldn't have like, you know, oh, you know, there's car car accident, whatever. Like, you know, it's, it's, um, and I was just a dumbass kid. So that's just my, my, my issue of of those years. But like, it is a movie that does take a deep understanding, even if you haven't been through it yourself. But, um, you know, you know, you, 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 you've got a person, you, you know it, um, and how people deal with grief. And it's just, it's one of those things that like, that's what makes it such an impressive film is like, it really does. Um, it is like a, a guy, it's not a guide. Um, I'm trying to think of the right way of putting it. It does just show what you, what kind of has to happen to do it. Like, you know, at the, at the climax of the film, when, when first the kid has kind of, um, expelled the Babadook kind of the demon from the, from his mother. And, and now she's gone into protective mode and realized what, what she, what she's realized she has to do is that this kid is my kid and I've got to protect him at all costs. And I've also got to confront what's inside of me and understand what's important is that, and that's what you've got to do with um, things that are tormenting you is you've actually got to really, it's hard to do as well. Like it means, it does mean shaking the foundations of your house, which I thought was really cool that the filmmaking, they went there, <laughs> like the house is literally breaking apart in those scenes. And it's like, it's again, an allegory for what you do is like to acknowledge and move forward is really just break things down and, and, 
and really have a hard moment where um, everything will feel broken for that m- that minute or whatever whatever you're going through is you've got to break it to break it to move forward and and that shows it really well and she you know she's yelling and you know yeah, don't don't ever fucking touch my kid and like or whatever you know I'm, mm. I'm paraphrasing what she yells because it's obviously a, a, a fantastic performance from Mercy Davis again but yeah. yeah it's like to confront it is to just um is to completely open yourself up to all of it and that's why that, that scene is so powerful because it's shaking house and thunder and and light in the air and and just the the whole filmmaking part of it is that and then and then that's when you can lock it up and you don't lock it up for good. You have to go down. You have to confront it here and there, as as the, her going down and feeding the worms, which is just again, it's just super unique and odd. But yeah, it's it's just what it is. It's um, but yeah, that's how you deal with it. Is you, you acknowledge it, and 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 you know maybe that's an allegory for you know therapy or whatever you need to do is like you talk about it here and there. You do what you need to do to confront it. You have your good days, your bad days, and but you get better. You get better, as as the kid says at the end. You know we're getting better, mum. Um, or it's yeah. getting better, and that's what happens. Is if you if you just manage it the right way, then that's what happens. So incredible, really. Um, as yeah, I, I, yeah, I was like blown a, away by by it. Really, um, did I thought it was just supposed to be a scary movie? But and I'm again, like we talked about, I'm sure a lot of people took it just at face value, even though the real truth under behind it is just right in front of you. Mm. You know. But yeah, if you're 18, you're probably just like, oh, it wasn't even scary. But I was a dumb ass at 18. <laughs> <laughs> we all were. That's what 18 is meant for. <laughs> um, and then the film we talked about last week, we completely contradict that thought. <laughs> well, some people are ahead of others, yeah. but uh, <laughs> we didn't. We went to state school, which I meant to say over and over again when we were watching that, or when we were potting about that. Maybe I did. I don't know. I that pod went a million different ways. So I I did find the cork of the champagne like five days later (laughs) uh, underneath my table. So I've been meaning to get. uh, That's I've got to get back into putting some audio ads up on the on the (laughs) Instagram on the gram. And I that that that, the audio pop of the champagne like it captured perfectly on podcast. It was very nice. As I was editing, (laughs) I heard that pop go off. I was like, man, that 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 went well. Was a really really good unscripted moment. it was the best champagne pop I've ever had. Hit yeah. the ceiling and everything. <laughs> probably would have probably would have broken one of my windows. It'd really <laughs> been a pain in my ass if I would have not aimed it straight up. <laughs> like a cricket ball from a homemade backpack catapult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I um, I guess we're at forty minutes now, so time for a break soon. But um, yeah, I I get there's a few things to bring up afterwards about the kind of creative process and some of the other the weird wacky things that have happened since this movie was made. But um, yeah, I that's all going to be new to me, and I'm very into it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I guess just to close out this half of the pod, um, I guess we've kind of talked about it already. But the other characters in the film really do show what the do's and don'ts, so and what it what it's kind of like to be isolated by grief i think um you certainly already talked about the sister and her lack of understanding and you got the guy at work that is kind of creeping on her and um and you can just tell it's like it's he kind of has the attitude that i can just be like he i think he knows what's going on a little bit but like um, he thinks he can just fix it by being charming and, 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 you know, being like the, the white knight kind of thing. And it just, I think this movie kind of showed that, no, you, that, that doesn't actually work. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. If you're just going to come in and white knight it and um, and uh, and you're just going to be suppressing more as as we saw in the film, and that the only way to deal with it is as we were just talking about a couple of minutes ago with the the climax of the film is to is to confront it and and acknowledge it and work it out that way. So. Um, I thought that the one character that really was there was the was the neighbor is um, right. Just I'm just was there and said I love I love you guys. Um, I hope you like just every now just checking in and just whatever you need. I'm here for you. Like and you know they didn't really acknowledge that right. You know, and much of the film she's just like his fucking neighbor like getting on my nerves. But that's more because yeah. of her own issues. But yeah, it's like it's re- it's really cool. That's like. That's actually what you. I think you need in those moments, and she because the neighbor never pushed it. She just, I just want to check in. I want to make sure you guys are okay. I'm more, like I'm worried, but you know it's it's fine. Like if you need anything, I'm here. Like come over and stay. Like what whatever you need. Like and she's just a sweet old lady living next door, just caring. Like yeah, never pushy about it. But yeah, it's just it's really interesting. The side characters is this latest viewing of mine that I really kind of you know it's what it is what it is when you're watching films again. Um, that you just you notice the periphery a little bit more because you've got the you got the time you understand the fi- what the what's happening in the film so you can look at those things a bit more and I found that really interesting that um and again a credit to the filmmaking and and the, particularly in this 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 instance is the writing of it and how they they structured it with the the different characters it is like you said it's a, it's very much a play on film so there's not too much not too many characters in the film but um yeah these side characters that come in and out um really do show kind of how isolating grief can be but also you know how you know the do's and don'ts of how to how to be be there for someone that's um obviously struggling through something that's um you know cataclysmic to their life so yeah i don't know what you thought of the neighbor but i thought i was really noticed the second, <laughs> second time just just a sweet old lady living next door and just caring it was really like cool it's like the kind of people you need in your life sometimes Definitely. That's what she was kind of lacking. It's kind of almost like she, it's almost like she needed a mother mm-hmm. while being a mother. And so that kind of represented that. And then, yeah, just showing the, how hard it is to pull yourself out of that grief mm-hmm. and relate to people again. Because, like she says in the film, it's like, I'm not the one who ever brings it up. It's everybody else who still brings it up. And, you know, even the old lady bring the old neighbor lady brings it up mm-hmm. um, and she snaps on her once about it. So it's like, look, I'm trying to get over this, but you guys keep bringing it up. I'm not the one who brings it up. But then, but then through their actions, it's like, it's always brought up because she's so the mom is so guarded. And so, you know, and it is, the- I mean, the, the, the gym scene alone, yeah. like that's, She's not bringing that guy up, but she's extremely defensive about her life. So it's basically just right there on the surface. Even if it's not about him, it's still about the grief behind him. So, and I guess um, not to defend the sister too much in this, but like, no, there was um, you know, at the start of the film when she's like, oh, the you know, my daughter wants to have her birthday like alone this year. Like, we're not going to do the joint birthday thing anymore, and then you're like she alludes to the fact maybe you should have it on the actual day this time like so she, even though right. she, she's not bringing it up ever and she's like oh you will bring it up to me it's like you're also bringing it up by virtue of not actually acknowledging your son's actual birthday like you're kind of, so there's a bit of back and forth there and it's just like yeah that's and that's part of it is like she that you know at the end of the film again like it, it is all very 
it's all very out in the open what's going on. It's just it's, it's again like we said at the start of the film about how the film started. It's like it's so well written and and constructed. It's all just it's all organically brought up. But you know the end of the film when she's got the balloons up and and and. And it's really cool that at the end of the film, the kid's just like, yeah, my dad died on my birthday. And the mom's just like, she just... Right, I was going to bring that up yeah. before the break. Is that, like, just the confidence alone in both the mother and the child with those people, mm. uh, with the socials, I don't know what you call them in Australia, social services, I think, here. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, that's what they were. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and just, like, they took... The mom and the son took all the power. Mm -hmm. <laughs> away from those whereas the scene the first scene they're in those people have all the power they're extremely judgmental and the mom even gets mad at him at the son for i it, it isn't in the scene that she gets mad at him for say like just speaking his mind it's actually with the old woman neighbor mm -hmm. about her parkinson's but later in the film she has come to terms with oh that's just the way my son is yeah and like there's nothing that wrong with it Especially when he's talking about, like, hey, I broke my cousin's nose in two places, so I can't party with her. It's like, <laughs> and it like, and then like, I yeah. think the social service workers are like looking at the mom to be like, don't like, don't say that. And she's like, yeah, he did. And that's just what he said. And, you know, he says things just like his father. And I think she starts to see the father's influence on him, even though he had never met him. So. Yeah, and, that, and you know that's powerful for getting over. Again, you're never going to get over it, and you're never going to get rid of the Babadook. I mean, the kid says it. Mm -hmm. You're never going to get rid of it. It's always going to be there, but it's just you know, day by day. Yeah, you hope to get better, and yeah, yeah. And then if you have a that basically born, born. Yeah. yeah, and if you have like the positive disposition to your own, um, what the trauma has done to you is also like they're different people but they can also you can also look at some of the things that they are now as as positives like yeah he speaks his mind and you know been through these traumatic experiences but they've also made us who we are now and we might as well embrace who we are now and enjoy enjoy us and, and then that that way you can get through life too and it's just like it is really it is a really powerful end to the film it's so subtle too it's like it's very much they're just hanging out in the backyard and that's the you realize the party's just the two of them and that's, mm -hmm. and that's all, and that, and they, that's okay in that, in that moment. And the old woman's gonna come yes, anytime yeah. after three. Yeah. <laughs> I assume they feed the Babadook at three, so anytime after three, she's allowed over. Probably. Yeah. The time of the the time of three o'clock, as you actually it's three o'clock in the morning, is often um, is a very horror movie trope. But yeah, three o'clock in the afternoon. But yeah. Is it? Oh no, three. It's, what is it? Three. 3.12 a.m. was the Amityville Horror. It was like whenever the guy shot his family and then there's whenever the oh, really? activity would happen in the house. And then it's, it's something to do with um, evil energies. And I can't remember if it's like a, a if it's a theological thing or if it's just like, because I know in the in the Conjuring films, it's um it's three something in the morning that shit starts going wild too. So I'm sure something there's, about it leads like 666 or something like that. It's something like a, it's like 3 the clock would always stop in the conjuring house at like 3:14 or 3:15 and then and then the Amityville horror is like 3:12 or 3:13 when the shit went wild. Ah, uh, my birthday. Yeah. Nice. That's great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I yeah. Anyway, that's a complete side note that it has no relevance to the Babadook whatsoever. It's just me being a horror nerd. Um yeah, but the 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 end of the film is really sweet, um, and it really uh, wraps it up nicely. It's um, 
And it's it's good for a horror film to have. Well, it's, it and this film essentially is actually a family drama film with um a horror. It's kind of like we talked about um we've had films before that we've talked about that have a kind of out there uh, theme, uh, idea and theme in the film, but the, the actual subs- substance of the film is a very simple grief or whatever, and that's what this is, and the, and the end of the film really, like, it's a really sweet ending to the film, and I, I enjoyed it a lot, a lot watching it this time, just um, as, you know, with a, with an eye to doing this podcast and thinking about the, the storyline of it more, and um, yeah, as you said, the the kid is very much his father's son, and and the, and the and they embrace the quirkiness of him, and, and you know he's and he's not he doesn't do any screaming or anything annoying, and after after his mum finally you know and the the color palettes, and again we talked about it earlier, but the color the color palette kind of the lighting of it shot lights, and there's a bit more and it's sunny out yeah for like feels like the first time you know, I think it's sunny when they crash the car, but still it's mainly gray skies throughout that yeah. film until the end so. and and they, they're smiling at each other which i think is the first time you actually see it in the entire film is at the end of the film they're s- smiling and laughing and and y- if you watch the film i can't think of a moment when they either the, even um the mum has like some tired smiles that are like the fake i'm trying smiles but i'm not really um the only smile i think you see from her in the film before that ending moment is when she sees herself on the tv and it's her evil evil self in the window which is <laughs> yeah. a um, yeah. Again, Essie Davis has some incredible facial expressions at times, um, particularly when she's possessed by the thing. Um, she's got some. It's um, some very some of the best acting in the film is when she's, uh, you know, just completely strung out, wild, in possessed by this Babadook, and you know, um, yeah, it's incredible. It's a incredible acting performances from the two leads. Um, the kid as well did a great job. Um, yeah, uh, like, how do you even act like that when you're a kid? Like, I don't even get it. I like maybe this is a good time to take a break, and I'll come back with you, and I'll tell, all right. you, I'll tell you some <laughs> of the things about how they did the acting with the kid because it's um it's an interesting technique they did with um <laughs> essentially the, the director said she didn't want to didn't want to ruin the kid's life, so we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, we'll bring <laughs> I'll, we'll bring I'll bring that up up after. Well, the break. kid ruined my life for <laughs> an hour and a half. So. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll, we'll take a quick break here and we'll be right back with some Babadook, right. Babadook facts. Babadook. Babadook. <laughs> Second half. Uh, <laughs> Two halves. <laughs> um, we're back with uh, the second half of our Babadook podcast um we talked we talked a fair bit about um the story and the general themes and stuff in the first half so actually did a pretty good job of tightly wrapping it up which is um unlike me anyway i know shay's pretty good at tightening it up but i'm i babble a lot as i'm doing at the start of this second half intro um (laughs) but yeah i I guess a lot of i ended the first half of the pod by saying there's some interesting um filmmaking techniques utilized in uh in the film and just and just the things you have to do when you're filming, making a film like this with a kid, um, you know, there's a lot of s- stuff famous about The Shining, about how they, you know, the, you know, like the, the kids act often just don't know actually what kind of film they're making at the time. They're just acting the lines, and the the context of what they're doing is actually, you know, held from them a little bit. Um, the Shining's obviously one of the great horror films of all time, and a very famous child performance in that one. But this one. Um, 
when uh, uh, S.C. Davis, uh, Amelia's character, was yelling and really abusing the kid um, in some of those more climactic scenes where she's uh, possessed by the Babadook creature or whatever you want to call it, um, what they actually did was uh, they had a, um, a stand, a adult stand-in kneeling on the ground for her to yell at and didn't have the kid in the scene at all. <laughs> so, nice. so he never knew, he never heard those lines. And, you know, I, I, who knows if he's even seen the film yet? Because I don't know. There's often times where kids that are in movies like this sometimes don't see the films they're in for a while. Um, but he like thirteen now, probably. Yeah, I think he was he was six years old at the time that they're doing started doing script reading. So they didn't actually do, they didn't do it. Sorry, they didn't do a script reading when they started the filming because he was just six years old. Um, apparently, that what they basically what they did was um, they played games and hung out and did bonding like child like family bonding with it to get them to you know you know get that connection going and um and you know it's a really it's it's a really interesting and i it's again one of those things that makes you realize like how great the filmmaking process is when people care about it enough to think outside the box to make sure what they're doing um really works but then also as jennifer kent said she said she didn't want to she i think she said she didn't want to ruin the kid's life by having you know, a six, seven-year-old being just abused by this, you know, woman that's acting like she's possessed by a creature. So, you know, get a get an adult to kneel down and stand in just 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 for the eye line of the actress to be able to look at and yell and hurl her abuse, and then have the kid come back in and you know do like you know from his perspective, he reads his lines, but he doesn't have the context for it at the time. And um, it's interesting when he goes back and watches the film if he hasn't already to see what it turned out like, but. Um, yeah. I'm sure he knows it's pretty fucked up when he's sitting there yelling, you're not my mom, yeah. as she's tied up to the floor. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure they did it creatively, though. But, like, you can't completely, you know, shield a kid from what was going on when he's being, like, slammed up against a wall by an invisible monster. Maybe yeah. they had a scene for that, but... You can't no, have I mean, a scene. I mean, that's, that, that kind of... It's just that they don't actually... I think there's a big difference in it. It's... Um, with um, actually just being yelled at by an, an adult yelling those things at you would be, you know, that's that's a that's a particular thing, you know. And a, as a young kid, that would be, um, even if you obviously the kid knows he's acting in a film, but um, it's still you being young to be yelled at the certain things that were being yelled. So you know, I think the kid probably, th- I reckon as a, as a six seven year old kid, if you're if your job for that day is to be held around by an invisible monster, that'd be kind of fun actually. <laughs> Just like yeah, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna use some special effects here and some wires and whatnot and throw you around a little bit because there's a there's a monster throwing you around, but uh, it's all good. It's just special effects and and wires and stuff. I'd be like, fuck yeah, <laughs> let's do it, like, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe you won't be scared of monsters now, or maybe he wasn't scared of monsters as a little kid after he filmed this because he knows it's all make believe. Yeah. Or maybe he was, you know, maybe he didn't sleep for five years. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he's maybe there's a Babadook two coming with a, a like. You could do like a meta sequel where there's like the kid that acted in the Babadook is now having his own issues <laughs> or something like that. Well, uh, it's kind of like they did with it, you know, like the kids have to come back or like uh, they did it with The Shining, actually, with you and McGregor, right? Yeah, I, was, I'm still waiting to see that one because um, me and Andrea are waiting to watch it together. So we're trying to figure that one out. How we so maybe it. in like, you know, 20 years, we get the Babadook too. Yeah. Babadook harder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Me and Andrea do this thing where we just do sequels, sequel titles, and just do the Die Hard Two, Die Harder thing, and just make this make the title. So, 
we're talking about Baba Duker. <laughs> Baba Duker. Well, we're just uh, like we're talking because like, we're watching the Aliens movies at the moment, as like our movies we're watching, and I was just like, imagine if they just went Alien Two, Alien Harder, and I was just like, <laughs> it works. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically what it is. They gotta one up themselves. So yeah, Aliens is one of the greatest sequels of all time. Though. I think it's yeah, I love that movie. Um, it's one of the few that are better than the original, right? Yeah, I and the original Aliens. Right? I haven't seen them. But yeah, they they. I hear that. Quite brilliant, but Alien, the first Alien is very. It's obviously it contained um, horror. It's that was truly a space horror film, like you know, dark corridors. We're waiting for something coming around a corner. Aliens has that, but then it also has like a real action. There's, it's quite scary too. Like there's, it's. I, I was watching it again the other day. I was like, actually, you know, this, this movie's just as scary. It's just also got you know your space marines and Bill Paxton's game over man and like all <laughs> yeah. that stuff. Like it's just like it's got a good mix of the scariness as well as the um, yeah, action. Which yeah, it's um, I yeah, I Aliens is the much more watchable one. I think even though I love Alien and yeah, I, I prefer that. a thriller. We've talked about it. Yeah, which I think if you watch the first two, it'll be interesting to see which one you like better because I think Aliens has a good thriller base to it too. It's just got some good, you know, good action sequences because it's just a bigger budget. It was, it was basically they took what happened in Alien and made a bigger budget, you know, more Aliens. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Alien-er. Yeah, um, <laughs> alien <they>, uh, <laughs> The second one, or Aliens, is when they, like, actually have the monster monster the wet monsters walking around right and like the monster that comes out of the mouth that's the second one right yeah, what uh, the monster that comes oh yeah like wait, like what? the black like the big-headed black monsters that's it that's the, in the alien, second one the alien yeah well there's, there's one in the first one as well but okay but yeah. it gets like way yeah, scarier it, it, second one yeah, the first one's scary because it's just there's they're in a spaceship and there's one alien in the spaceship and they don't know where it is the whole time. So it's that's what's okay. it's like it's a very it's a it's a great uh, it's a great metaphor for what we're going through right now because <laughs> the entire start of the movie is Sigourney Weaver's character going like just don't let him on the don't let him on the spaceship just quarantine 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 and there's one yeah. guy, one guy that's like no no we've got to do this and then it's just everything gets fucked up. Um, yeah. Oh yeah! Don't wear masks. Don't wear masks. You'll be fine. Herd immunity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> aliens too. Yeah. Second wave. <laughs> yeah. But the the famous scene from Alien, like the franchise, is Sigourney Weaver and the alien, like being right up close to her face. That's in Aliens, right? No, that's in Alien Three. Like where she got a shaved head. Yeah. That's in Alien Three. That's the third one. Yeah. yeah which okay. I'm not. Uh, look, I'm not going to say too much apart from that. Me and Andrea, like. I have seen the first two a bunch of times. Had never seen three or four. We watched three last week finally, and I'm mad about it. I'm not going to talk about it because we're not talking about Alien. <laughs> like I don't want to do a spoiler for anyone, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it is an incredibly st- it fucks up so stupid. much. Stupid, stupid. <laughs> um, it fucks up a lot of everything that happened in the first. It just, it's just, um, yeah. There's a lot of trouble production things that would be there. there. Anyway, Alien Three. Right, was, moving on. Not good. Um, actually, like the film itself, like some of the stuff they do is fun. It's just the the base of the story at the start just completely fucks so much of what happened in the previous film. So, um, anyway, yeah, <laughs> not David Finch's finest hour. Um, yeah, we're talking about the Babadook on this podcast. Babadook, another yeah, just another another um, terrifying creature. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. Like some of the, just the, I I love that 
you know, I'm I'm just a nerd for the behind the scenes stuff, and I don't know, you you love that stuff too. It's just like, <laughs> it's just for some reason, the sporty thing came into my head. We love that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we are with movies now, sports. Yeah. Sports. <laughs> <laughs> I just did that for Shay and no one's gonna see that. But I just did the sleep, just did visual, <laughs> visual bit on audio medium. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, just <laughs> <laughs> why do you have to do that, Martin Scorsese? <laughs> I can't even think. Of it. <laughs> If you just made if you just made it for our movie, you could get to you could <laughs> you get the Academy Globe. <laughs> <laughs> Benjels. <laughs> oh, one of the most underrated YouTube videos of all time. I don't not enough people have seen yeah. it. Um uh, yeah. <laughs> um so a bit about the, something that I found really interesting reading about, um, I you know the filmmaker Lars von Trier. Um, yes, he's he's divisive. Fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, haven't done one of his films yet. But, but uh, yeah, yeah, um, that would that'll be a fun one whenever we get there. But um, basically, what Jennifer Kent did when she lost her passion for acting was she sent Lars von Trier. A, a letter and asked to ask to um, help out assist assist on a film set of hers uh, of his and he accepted and I think she she went and helped out on Dogville but imagine ima- like and I can see why she's such a great filmmaker is the fact that if she already sits there and thinks who do I want to learn from and sends a letter to Lars von Trier as much as he's fucked up um, I the most recent one I watched was the House that Jack built and that is one of the most fucked up films um a lot of sh- a lot of shit going on in that movie matt dylan as a just a fucked up serial killer um i haven't seen that one oh, i've only right. seen melancholia and um uh, antichrist i think is that what it was called they were yeah i'm pretty sure with willem dafoe yeah i haven't seen with it yet the... yeah well, I'm not going to spoil anything for you in Antichrist, but... Uh, yeah, I won't spoil anything with the house that Jack built, but he, he builds an interesting house. Um, yeah, so to for her to go, like, I'm going to... I, I want to learn how to direct. Let's just message old mate Lars and say, what up? Let's go learn how to make a movie. Um, it shows a, a level of the fact that she's obviously got a certain eye and um, also... Isn't gonna be isn't gonna be timid about what kind of film she's gonna make. Um, not that we're talking about, like I mean, her second film was um, is brilliant, uh, but is also an incredibly hard watch and a movie that was incredibly controversial for certain scenes um, in the film that were very explicit and did actually make sense for the film, but did have a lot of audiences walking out um, twenty minutes into the film. Um, oh, Lars, Lars uh, can do that as well. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like she, like it's it's really fascinating. It'll be interesting to see what her next movie is because the the Nightingale certainly, um, you know, this movie the Babadook's obviously brilliant, and we've been talking about it. But then the Nightingale was uh, very much different. It's um it's a period piece in eighteen forties Tasmania, um, 
and it's very much the story. There's no no mythical creatures or horror. The horror, they're, they're certainly horrible, but not in the traditional horror sense. It's um, just horrible. The fact that history is quite horrible. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just it's an just a fascinating start to her career that she's you know gone and hung out with Lars von Trier, and then made, she made a short film, which is the basis of the Babadook. Um, and then she's made the Babadook, and then the Nightingale. It's just really. It's one of those filmmakers to keep an eye on for sure. I think um, Jennifer, because she's um, obviously um, we're celebrating women and f- women's role in film, but it's it's really great. I, this is what part of the reason I wanted to do this film was like it's not just you know so many people that you know think of women doing films is uh, often people that aren't educated enough will just think oh you know they're making you know just they'll be crass about what kind of films they think they'll be making, but this is like a film that. Um, this and the Nightingale, incredibly, some of the two of the most bravest films I've seen, you know, put, and she's just hit it out of the park with two, two incredible films. And um, you know, we've seen there's a lot of actors, it's just a lot of great female creatives out there doing this kind of stuff, and it's um, it's great to highlight it too because um, it brings a certain um, like we said with the, the Booksmart last week, um, it takes them like I said last week, there's certain films that do the wrong thing with you know when they're filming. Yeah, we were talking about Booksmart and the um the the love scene in the bathroom and you know the the Olivia Wilde's gay um gaze on that from as a, from a director's perspective was to film it in a very real sense rather than um, often what we've seen with um you know girl on girl scenes in uh, male directed um exploitative ways is just really is oft- unfortunately quite rough um you know, in looking back on it um uh so it's great to like when you you bring these brave filmmakers in and as part of, you know, they, they're trying to break through that barrier so much that they're actually, they're just making brilliant films that are just so much, so much better than what would have probably happened if you'd um, just handed the script to a, a reputable male director, which is what often happens, unfortunately, with um, scripts written by females that uh, often just get handed to a director that will do, you know, they might do a credible job, but they don't go the extra mile that um, some of these, these just, you know, unique viewpoints that, the likes of Jennifer Kent and Olivia Wilde have had on these films, but yeah, Jennifer Kent um, doesn't pull any punches, and she's learnt from she learnt from one of the most divisive and you know as you as you put it, I was I was saying divisive, trying to trying to think of the right word, and you just said fucked up, which is uh, <laughs> one of the best ways to d- describe Lars. Is, um, Those movies are fucked up. The Antichrist yeah. begins with full frontal penetration, so it's like okay, yeah. So that's <laughs> that's where we're going. Okay. All right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and Melancholia is extreme. Mel- I mean, it's the perfect name for the film. Mm. I haven't seen the Nymphomaniac um, ones yet, but I didn't. You just need a break after seeing some of these films, like yeah. from that direction. Like you need to like. And I will never watch Antichrist again, but I would suggest everybody watches it. Yeah, yeah. I get. I like. I don't know if I. I think I want to watch the House of Jack build again just to watch it now having watched it but it's it might be like five years from now when i'm in a safe place (laughs) (laughs) yes me and andrea watched it together because we're just we're just smashing we're just wanting to watch horror movies that we hadn't seen and it just and it's not exactly it's not like a traditional it's not a horror movie i guess it it, it, is it's serial killer i guess but more like a thriller serial killer um but it's just it popped up i might check that one out because like Melancholia and Antichrist are kind of based in more reality, mm-hmm. but not really, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, Melancholia has a really interesting storyline that I think, like, could be, like, an allegory for 
you know, climate change and stuff now that I think about it, but hmm. Antichrist is just fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I haven't seen, uh, what, the Nightingale? Nightingale? The Nightingale, yeah, that's, um, yeah, it's, uh, and it came out last year or the year before? It might be 2018. It was um, 2018. I can't recommend it enough. I also think, yeah, you just need to get to know, know what you are. I can, yeah, I can. It's yeah. There's there's some confronting scenes of um you know obviously abuse of females in the film because of what the time time period is set in, but it's very real um, and it has some uh, some great performance from some from um indigenous Australians in the film, which it has a lot to say about um colonial treatment of you know just the just the fucked up history of this country, um right. So yeah, no, I I can't recommend it enough, and a, a really powerhouse performance again, um. It's one that I thought about doing for this month, but I just didn't like. It just a, just it was a dark, a bit darker themes, and I wanted to um, not not go to the um, you know abu- too much female abuse in a in a month like this. But it's certainly one I'd like to do with you at some point. This is it's a very incredibly his- it's great history movie, um, and some some really powerful performances in it as well. Um, the lead actress in that movie just kills it, and and uh, the um, the the antagonists are quite. Um, brilliantly hate hateable and and the and some of the side characters that are very much main characters as well um uh, incredible performances and just a great again uh, just a really well directed and um looking film too for what it, uh, yeah. yeah i like that in that period yeah to do film kind of like the witch by uh i can't think of the director's name robert, but, e- uh, robert eggers yes yeah he's yeah. yeah he's doing another one that's gonna be viking stuff this time so that's dope. Yeah, yeah. I've, I bought the lighthouse on um on my Apple TV the other day, so I'm looking forward to watching that again. Yeah, I think I'm gonna save that for the fall. It's more of a fall movie, winter. Yeah, yeah. Like, really, yeah Especially with you out at. there on the east coast, you can just go swim your way out to an island and fucking live it if you want. I fucking would right now <laughs> and get away from this goddamn country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just go live out there with some mermaids and and. And William of Willem Dafoe and his God. I got the fart. <laughs> yeah, I take the farts over the trains at this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. So, had you seen anything about this? Um. This Babadook. Uh. El- the- maybe, maybe back in the day, but I definitely forgot it because I hadn't seen it. It's um. I, I remember it around when it came out. I it, I it, I'm basically reading from the wiki now just to get a, a a quick like rundown of it. Basically, like apparently someone on Tumblr just joked that the Babadook was openly gay, and then someone like <laughs> then posted a screenshot of like um the movie being classified as ne- on Netflix as an LGBT film, um and they 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 like they said it's supposedly doctored, but there's just and like there was just like this, you know, there's no references at all in the film. There's nothing in the film, but it just became, it just took on like you know things that go viral. It just took on this, it is its own life, and it's basically become like an icon for the LGBT community. Like um, that's great. You see like pic- pictures of the Babadook like at, at marches and and stuff, and it's just <laughs> and it's just become this thing, and it's um so much so that Scream Factory, which is um, a, a, a label in the US that releases, um, they do like, you know, releases of, horror, uh, Scream Factory is a um, a subsidiary of Shout Factory, which just is a movie um, releasing company, but they did, they do uh, hor- a lot of horror films and do really good releases of them with, um, you know, 
special edition slip covers and good special features and all that stuff. They had the they released the Babadook in the US and they've actually got one of their editions as a slip cover with pride coloring on it of <laughs> Babadook. Yeah, it's like and it's a legitimately something they sell and it's just like that's really cool. <laughs> um, that is cool. Yeah, and uh Jennifer Kent said that she loves it. She's like, I think it's crazy that the meme kept him alive. And she, and she said, I thought, ah, oh, you bastard, he doesn't want to die, so he's finding new ways to become relevant. So, like, there you it's, go. It's really cool. Like, like, she's just like, this is not something you ever expected to come out of this thing. But, um, you know, just really, it's a really cool, like, just this film, this little Australian film that um, obviously had a lot to say about nothing to do with these themes. Like, it was obviously a film, like, we've talked plenty about it. I can yeah, I could see it though. Like if we reverse engineer it, it like comes out of a closet and then you know kind of gets. Well, I hadn't gone there in my mind, but that's that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> this, is why we do this, this is why we do this podcast, folks. We bring you these, we bring you these uh, new ways of getting into. I mean, it. I'm just trying to get like I was trying to like. I mean, I, it would be interesting to find out. I'd, I I should have done more. I just didn't really think about it too much, apart from knowing this stuff, and I just took it. But it would be interesting to find the person that however this started and see where their mind was going with it where they just it's like its own myth at this point or yeah. like not myth but like it's its own legend at this point yeah yeah like um because yeah it's it's such a you know we were talking about it before it's like well, we were talking about pronouns earlier but like what is what is the babadook it's just this creature that's a, a manifestation of grief so um it's an interesting twist to go there but yeah it's just it's just um this little film that's um, obviously got a, co- a, a big following in the horror realm and um, incredibly successful critically and um, and certainly has a lot to say about grief and whatnot, but it's also now just a, a just a symbol of uh, LGBT, just pride. So, <laughs> and I'm glad that it's that and not something you know it's it's something positive, um, you know, and, and something for people like you know moving forward in life too. Like it's not you know I'd hate it to be co-opted by um, the right or anything like that, but you know, thankfully it's um co-opted by the good people out in the world rather than um the bad ones so yeah, yeah. take something that's scary and make it powerful in your own way yeah you know why not yeah i could kind of see it like for the community is like because the babadook is like kind of this invisible entity that is scary and that's like what conservative dipshits think of like homosexuality and it's like no it's just a mis- a confused I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, well, it, it's their grief about their misplaced grief about homosexuality being a problem. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, trying to deconstruct it probably isn't. It it, it easily could have started as like some edge lord being like, "Oh, the Duke is gay," and then like them again just taking power in like some ignorant ass comment and just being like, "Yeah, we'll take that, and it's ours now." So, yeah. I mean, if that's the case, then that's dope too. You know, however it's hard, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any other thoughts on the film, or do we are we gonna hit the hit the hit the tomatoes? Uh, just one one big. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's a time to ask you any questions you have. Just one complaint of when the husband gets his head sliced. Just not, not great filmmaking, in my <laughs> opinion. Just not like. See, I find I found that quite um, chilling. So I guess that's like different. I mean, it's chilling, but like I just think they could have made it more like realistic. I guess, like you know, like yeah, I guess it's um, yeah, it's not that I've. That's what I mean by it. I think the scene is good. Yeah. I just wish it was like 
it reminded me of an Aqua Teen Hunger Force where <laughs> Shake gets cut in half, and it's like, okay, that's not a good thing. Because yeah. <laughs> it is scary, but yeah. it's just like they could have done it more like... And that's also like having seen like Hereditary where, spoiler alert, someone literally saws their own head off. So, mm-hmm. like... And I guess that's how far horror movies can come in four years, but yeah, they didn't I'm... have a budget for that either that yeah. Ari had. Yeah, and that's yeah. Well, I guess we're making this. This one was made in Little Old Adelaide, where um, and maybe it, it was a dream sequence. So whether that was, you know, they thought, oh, okay, we can go like, don't have to go hot, like super realistic with it because it's like um, it's somewhat, you know, you know, dreams are weird like that. Like you could have right. the, the head sliced in half like that and not have the blood spill and um, you know, because it's just basically a red patch there. I guess is what we saw. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess, like, if I was, you know, if I was to make it, I'd, I'm, I'm a horror hound, so I'd be like, well, how do, can we make this as bloody as possible, so. <laughs> right, I've seen your snaps, it's, uh, yeah, that was just my thing. My like, snaps like of movies, my Tarantino snaps of movies, not what I'm actually. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes, yeah, Shay, not Mick Taylor over here, yeah, sending out. Shay trying to get me on a list right now. Putting head on a, heads on a stick. See, that's what you are. A head on the stick. That was a attempt at his life. Anyway. They're making a Wolf Creek 3, by the way. That's happening. God damn it. Two more (laughs) podcasts to do shit. (laughs) And a TV show to decipher. Oh, I gotta talk to you off air about a new TV show tonight. But yeah. Okay. We'll get to that off air. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but for the Babadook, uh, so any other questions? Are we hitting the tomato? No, that was just a critique, like one critique I had of it. Yeah, I, mean, like, I thought is... it was shot really well. Yeah, I guess I can. I, I'll finish on the note that again. I I think for a, a low budget film, I, it, it this is like this is one of those movies, and there's we've done plenty of them before that you you get um, low budgets that. Um, good directors and good filmmakers. And, and it's not just a director. It's obviously Jennifer Kent did an amazing job of getting her, her vision on film, but then, you know, obviously the crew and, um, you know, cinematographers and, you know, all those guys, all those people involved, um, you know, made made a film look, um, this movie looks like it could have been made anywhere and made for a hell of a lot more money than what it was made for. Um, you know, but, yeah, between the creature design and creature effects we've talked about before and the, just the way they did that. Um, in the yeah. house. It's yeah. super creepy. Yeah. It's like the Adam family house. Yeah. <laughs> Which again is like not something you find you don't find places like that in Adelaide, so that was very much a set design thing. Yeah, I wanna think. live in that house without the Baba Duke. Yeah, yeah, maybe just a touch more colour, but Yeah, maybe a little I don't know, I liked it. You got a garden. I guess it, as long as it's like, you know, not just not peeling wallpaper and stuff like that, because I just I don't yeah. know. I grew, and I, grew, I, grew, I, I grew up in old houses that were like a hundred and over a hundred years old and I, I I had my issues with thinking there was ghosts around when I was a kid, so I don't need old houses that have a creepy vibe. It's just Yeah. Yeah, I can feel Super that. Scary. I, lo- I so I man, is the house I <laughs> the house I first lived in, so I I had sleep paralysis uh, all my life anyway, so that's like been an issue I, until I understood it. Yeah, I, I still have that. Yeah, and so until I understood what that was actually like, you know, as a brain chemical thing, you know, it was it was just a scary thing as a kid. Um, no wonder you like scary films. 
Yeah, I've, I, I I psychoanalyzed myself like a few years back, and I was like, yeah, that's probably why I, I dig him because I'm like, I've just grown up in a horror film every every second. It was like, you know, weeks when you're a kid and they, you don't understand sleep paralysis, so you're like going to sleep like scared that this thing, these sounds that you're hearing are actually a thing. Um, and so it'll be like every couple of nights sometimes. And now as an adult, I like. It was like always exam time. I'd get it. Like anytime it's right. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like it's it, lack of sleep and stress that is often the kicker for it. So and you know, it's, it's sometimes happens um, after a podcast. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just pass out and sleep quite well after a podcast because it's a beer. Um, but man, growing. Spent- but that's like the double the double. So I grew up like the house I first lived in when I was a kid was like over a hundred years old because it was like just old South Australian farmhouses. And the second house I lived in was well over a hundred years old too. So. Just creepy sounds and shit like that. Like as a kid, yeah, I find farms scary. Yeah, they're like in the middle of nowhere. Like, I don't know. yeah, I don't and like they, and we talked about. Did we talk about the strangers on air or off air earlier? Off air. Okay, so this is but again, and if there anyone that's seen the strangers, me growing up in isolated farms, and that movie is again why it taps into my primal fears and why strangers I think is a great film, even though some don't like it. But um, if you understand, that's how like iso- yeah. isolation and. Because there was one night where I remember I was home. My parents used to sometimes get my my nana to babysit us. We're just going into right. it. This is like the end of the pod. It's fine. We'll get to the Rotten Tomatoes in a second. But Yeah, usually I am hardly standing at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, and my nana lived like five 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 minutes away and she didn't drive. So what, what would happen? Mum would pick her up, drop her off there. And then mum and dad would go out for the night. And then they'd, they'd get home. Then they drop Pops would drink seven bottles of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Papa Burns. Um, and then, you know, and then some, so then they go drop Nana home. And then it'd be, so there'd be about, you know, 10, 15 minutes that we'd be right. home, at the, home at the farm alone. They'd lock the doors and all that stuff. And, you know, it was like out and, you know, it was five minutes away from any other house down there. So there was one night where they were dropping Nana home. And then I remember just being awake. Everyone else was asleep. But I remember hearing the door just rattle like someone was trying to get in. And I just remember just shh. Myself, and I remember that, and like I, I think I brought it up to my family like a year or two ago. I was like, "This is a specific memory of mine that has scared me since then." And like they were like, "No, that didn't happen." You imagine? I was like, oh, "I'm pretty sure it happened." So like, old farmhouses, the strangers, just yeah. I just need to live in homes that were built like very recently with no murder history and safe homes. Safe homes, yeah. Just. I just yeah, random, I mean, random things from my child. There's nothing like specifically traumatic, but just the isolation of living on farms, little like sleep paralysis was like an issue, and then just little experiences like that. Just like, nope, don't want to live in an old fucking home. I just like, yeah, I thought it like, I think about like living on a farm sometimes, like away from everybody mm-hmm. and shit, or like going camping or even, which I'm not into, but like even the idea of it it's like yeah it sounds like awesome being like away from everything for a bit until like somebody pulls up in a car in the middle of the night at your goddamn farmhouse and you're like okay now i'm in a horror movie because you're like who the fuck is this like it could be anybody because like i mean that's like so many serial killers kill people like out in the country because they don't fucking find the people for like five days there's plenty of story like you watch mindhunter like that's part of it yeah, I used to I used to um, stay out at a farm, like one of the farms that we have here. Like it's out in them, and it's not too far. Like you get to a t- like a pretty major town in twenty minutes driving, but it's still a lot of driving. Like <laughs> um, when you're out in the middle of it. and 
So I'd say, Mick Taylor can find you. Yeah, I'd say out there. I'll like, steal your spark and there's, plugs. there wasn't too many. There wasn't too many farms close to us. So there was there was one night I was out the stand there, and um, I remember hearing just just seeing lights in the distance and gunshots, and I was just like, for a second, I was like, what the. F-? And then I just realized it was just another farmer over in the pet. Like they, they were just out there hunting, hunting fox. coyotes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, hunting, Fo- hunting fo- foxes. But just because it's so quiet out there, when you when you see a light flashing in the distance and then a gunshot, it's just like you just. And then, and there was another night where I was standing down there, and I had the I had the dogs down there. I don't they 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 sleep outside, and they our farm dogs were very well trained. Like they didn't bark unless there was something to bark at. And they were going, nu- right. they were going nuts for a couple of nights in a row. And I was like not sleeping half of these nights. Cause I'm just lying there and I had a shotgun under the bed. Like, cause I was staying in the <laughs> farmhouse alone. So I was just like, just sitting there kind of like lying in bed, wide awake, ready to grab this shotgun. And I finally, just, yeah. I finally just went out, just was like, I just got to check it. So I'm like doing the creeping along the hallway with the shotgun in my hand, poke my head out the door and it's just a fox eating my the scraps that I've tipped over the fence. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so, yeah but that's, that's what like, like isolation can fuck with you. It does because like I'm just because in your head you're just you're just you know um you know you just kind of like fucking Samuel Jackson the hateful eight was like you're seeing pictures now, ain't you? It's just like you yeah. make up you make up an entire uh, entire thing in your head of what's happening, and you know and you know I know we've gone off slightly off track, but kind of the Babadook is that is like you just is you. you when you when you're stressed and you have things going on and you're not sleeping, then then shit starts to get wild in your brain and you yeah it's um yeah and so well, I, and so yeah. I love horror movies now so that's <laughs> is that's I think it's just the ther- that's just how I deal with my own fears of growing up in these these different ways and it's, and it's made me better at dealing like I I can go sleep out in isolated farmhouses and deal with it but I don't like it. I mean I just don't like. I don't know. I like this. I didn't lose sleep over this one or anything like that. But like when I was watching Mindhunter and stuff, it just starts to fuck with you. Like mm. if you're by yourself, like I was like, I knew there was nobody in my apartment. My apartment's not very big. Mm. So I would know if he was in it. But I went through and checked anywhere somebody could be after like watching Mindhunter mm. because it's like, that's how this happens is you don't know these people are there and then they just fucking. Yeah. I mean, I'm always more scared of you know the real monsters like serial killers and stuff but yeah. like this but again this film is about real well, mon- the real monster of grief and just like what it can do to you and like i think a, a big part of like when she goes this isn't real this isn't real it's like you can try to tell yourself about depression or grief or whatever that it's not real and that you're trying to be fine but like that's not going to stop it you mm. have to you have to confront it and deal with it you can't just say this isn't real yeah and that's a big part of grief is confronting it so yeah yeah and that's yeah that's yeah like you said it doesn't matter what the monster is if it's a if it's affecting you then you have to confront it one, one way or another if it's a you know if it's michael myers with a knife then you just gotta run because that guy never dies but then if it is if it's grief as it is in um you know the babadook then you've got to confront it um as they do in the film you know it's a, it shows that you know the only way to deal with these issues is to um acknowledge that it is and it's acknowledging that it is affecting you that it is creating more grief in your life and the only way to accept it is to say yes i'm grieving but how do i deal with it and that's just you know and that's just a you know sometimes it is just a yell and scream about it but you know it's getting it out somehow and then and then from that point on moving on and feeding it when you need to and like we like we said it's a, it's a, it is an incredible metaphor for grief like the entire film is really just you know one 90 minute long metaphor for um how you how you do and don't deal with grief and um it's a, it's yeah like like 
like we said before, it's amazing um, seeing this horror, a few horror filmmakers out there doing it, like you know Ari Aster with um, with um, Hereditary and, and Midsummer in a, in a slightly different way um, deals with it, and it's just um, incredible that the the horror realm is giving us these films that um, you know horror is a horror is a genre that some you know if you you don't look into it deeply, you sometimes see it as a very as a very basic genre, but it's something that's it's a genre that often often deals with a lot of issues that um. At in a way that no other genre could, because um, that you can you you can use monsters and creatures and 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 spiritual things as metaphors for um uh, for very real issues, which is really cool. Yeah, I just think that the the more than any other genre of film that horror films like lend themselves to the campy nature of mm-hmm. film, and so like that's why people don't take them very seriously. But now, and I don't like. I think a lot of the horror movies made um, before like 2000, like really just were kind of tropey and just kind of followed like we're going to scare the audience. And now they're actually finally done. I mean, obviously Halloween, you can, there were some, you know, there's a, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good ones. It's just that it's just, again, it's kind of like the thing where the ones that are popular just, you, yeah, they're, they're the ones that get known and often they're a bit more. And the, and the 80s certainly had a lot of camp to them. So that's like, and you know, but, you know, Psycho in 1960 is still one of the greatest, right. films, greatest yeah. films ever made. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot. I still of feel like that's like more of a thriller. It is. It's so it, psycho- it is. But then th- that's what horror, horror spans so much. That, you know, what what is actually a horror movie? Because you can, you know, there's psychological horror. There's the thriller-based horror. There's very much gore, gore splatter horror. And then you've got like these films that very much are, um, you know, there's, you know, The Babadook has very little blood, um, you know. The Conjuring, just a dog's neck snapping. Yeah, but. yeah. I mean, The Conjuring. Um, you know, the spoiler alert, but but no one in the actual film dies. Like that film right. is incredibly scary. But the only deaths that are in that film are the ones that happen like a hundred years before the events of the film. That that are what they're talking about. I mean, kind of same with the Babadook, other yeah. than the dog. But yeah, but it's I mean, just the like, husband dies, but you don't see it. Yeah, it's it's they're, they're events that have happened pre-film, which are actually just regular life. Like that's a regular life event. Unfortunately, that people die in a car crash. So it's not like it's a a horror film death. It's just yeah, a lot of horror films are very can be very smart in how they actually you know scare the shit out of you and be be quite scary and 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 you know there's you know the Conjuring has some very scary demon faces, but um at different times and. But apart from that, you know, they've they've just a lot of these films are you know good at just making you scared without actually getting you know. So, but then you have films like you know, uh, I've I've mentioned this pod before, like some Fulci films, which are just very much don't have much story to them. They're just some some Italian horror with lots of gore and stuff, and that's that's scary in a different way. It's not scary as in you're tense. It's just scary visually because it's just like you know someone's head being pulled apart and brains squeezing through fingers is very visceral and it's a different kind of horror and that's you know it scares you in a different way it's not yeah you're not you're not going to go to sleep wake you know scared of something coming through the window but you just you just like disgusted by it and that's a that's you a cool. die at that point you yeah. want to stay alive yeah or yeah. you want to die peacefully <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah it's just like um yeah it's different different um realms of horror and so that's what's really it's a really cool thing about the genre is there's so many different ways into it um yeah so yeah babadook's definitely one that um has its own little niche and and as and really you know for a film that came out of little old adelaide has really taken the world the horror the horror world um they've done done a really great job and um yeah become a become a cultural icon and and all sorts of things so 
yeah, it's just amazing what uh, what um, some films can do. Agreed. Yeah. Um, tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, this one kills it on the tomatoes, but I'll, I'll run through them. Um, it's got a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, uh, 86% Metacritic. We've got 78% of the Google users like it, and it's got a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Damn, that's high. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was I was expecting to see it at about like a ninety five, ninety six because I knew it was pretty critically loved. Um, train says no. Train of thoughts back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's way too high for me. But uh, I'm thinking I, I did. I, I, I'm going to take a stab. I'm thinking you're at about an eighty six. I was gonna say eighty-five, so yeah, you got you got solid B. <laughs> like it's just not my genre of movie, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised with it. Mm-hmm. That's as far as scary movie goes. The only one you've led me astray on is Wolf Creek. <laughs> <laughs> that was and good. that was fine. That was like the kind of like horror movie we were talking about. Well, horror. I don't know. The kind of horror movie we were talking about, like, from the 80s, kind of, of, like, there's jump scares, there's, you know, the tension is all based on, like, there is, there is, like, underlying themes to it, but it's also just, like, bad guy versus the good guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, like, not good guys, but, like, the bad guys versus the people you're rooting for, the mm-hmm. innocent people. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I'd give it 85. Cool. Um, yeah, I'd probably be at about 96. I don't think it's quite. Um, it's probably the first one of the rare ones I go under. But then me saying 96 means I'm still pretty close to like, yeah. Um, I mean, 96 is so That's like higher than almost any movie we've done. <laughs> <laughs> is my thing. And like, if I were to rank all the movies we did, like Bob would do, probably wouldn't be in the top half. But yeah. we've done great movies. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's like part of the bias of our pod is that we often choose. But that's like, you know, we want to do movies that we in have something to say about and enjoy uh, at a certain level, whether it's, um, you know, incredibly enjoy just movies that we think are, you know, important as well. So it's just like, that's what it is. You know, there's a movie that I think is about a 50% Rotten Tomatoes. Probably not going <laughs> to, are we going to do that movie? Maybe. Um, <laughs> hey, Rotten Tomatoes doesn't always get it right. Like, no, well, Rotten Tomatoes is a, fl- it's, it's an aggregator of um, review and, the thing with movies like The Babadook is it doesn't get as many reviews done because it's a more of an indie kind of film. So that's why it gets a 98% is like there are less reviewers reviewing it, but there's more high praise for it because it's getting like art house, art house reviews and stuff like that. So that's why... It gets that a- and just horror movie reviews, like, you know, all the like horror movie fans are probably reviewing it and enjoying it, I would think. Well, I, I wonder about that because you got 78% like the film, which is not incredibly high for, you know, some, some other horror... I've seen some... There are some horror movies that have like 50-60% Rotten Tomatoes scores that 90% like it, whereas this has got an eight, 98% Rotten Tomatoes and 78% Google users like it. So this one I think is probably a bit more divisive in the horror realm based on that Google, because the Google users is just a thumbs up, thumbs down. So I think there's, you know, you've got 22% of people who have given it a thumbs down, which is probably a horror fan that's going into it just expecting a, a creature killing and yeah. isn't ready for isn't ready for the depth that we've we've taken out of it and enjoyed. There's probably that's where those twenty two percent come from. Because I'm telling you, there are some films that I I I like and love. A lot of films that I admittedly say are trash horror films. They're just they're just fun. <laughs> they're just they're, they're action movie horror films. 
that do have a higher Google user rating because they're just ones that horror fans like, but then but this they, they don't have to think about too much. So, whereas this one just would have that's why it's seventy eight percent of Google users still really good because it means mo- a far that's va- pretty good. vast majority are enjoying it and seeing it for what it is. But there probably is the twenty percent of people out there that are just like. There, there was, this was too much for me. I was expecting just a fun, you know, the Babadook looked scary and there's not there's not enough Babadook or something like that. But that's what... Yeah, I talked to a friend last night about it and she said it just wasn't scary enough for her. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that, hey, and some horror people are like that. But like for me, like I already said, like I prefer my horror like less scary and more like make me think and yeah. then like scare me with my own thoughts, I guess, rather than like overload my you know, frontal lobe with brains being crushed and stuff of that nature. Which again, I'm down for. I'm going to... I know you are, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm just... I Yeah, I could... Uh, yeah, horror movies is just the one genre I can I can bounce around between it, all sorts of different ones and, and enjoy them as long as I know what I'm getting in. And then like a movie like this, if I don't know what I'm getting into and, it, and it's incredibly smart and fun in that way, then I'm, I enjoy it because of that. And then if it's a movie that I know is just going to be a, an 80s slasher that's got you know just people just you know slightly bad acting but some good deaths and stuff and that's just you know it's just an act it's just horror action in a sense so yeah i'm that way with drama i think i can go from like the dark dramedy to like the actual like yeah contemplate your entire life yeah (laughs) drama and those are very different but still in the same genre yeah but that's the only, yeah, and same with comedy. Like I can do late night comedy all the way to super dark comedy. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that was a good one. I'm glad we glad we're doing this kind of and exploring some um, great, you know, female creators, uh, both in front and behind the camera. So, uh, yeah, Babadook, um, a really great one that I can't recommend enough. I'll raise my pint of. It's a pirate life. Double IPA. It's a nice eight percenter for um, two fifty in the morning, which is just incredibly <laughs> smart. I'm glad I got the day off tomorrow. Enjoy <laughs> those dreams. <laughs> yeah, but until next time, I'll raise my pint, pour some, pour some pints, pop some corn, roll some. <laughs> I fucked it up. All right, see you. See you next week, Shay. <laughs> I'm still tired from the drugs you gave me, David. <laughs>